0: Genesis chapter 29, I'm going to read an interesting story about an interesting man that we can glean, glean some lessons from and understand God's work in the thought of what this man did. This, this man is named Jacob. We're going to look at him in just a moment. Arnold Palmer, famous for probably two things. He's famous as a golf, professional golf icon, if you will. He's probably one of the most winningest players that's ever, uh, put on golf cleats and bad pants and played in the Masters. He's also famous for, at the Masters, wanting to invent a new drink, which was half iced tea and half lemonade. And because the winner of the Masters from this year, picks the menu for next year. And Tiger Woods, just to, true story, just because, uh, if you know Tiger Woods, uh, you know, black man who broke into this all-white kind of club for many, many years, uh, his first uh, um, master's dinner was fried chicken, and they do it in Georgia, so you know it was good, so it was just funny, but he's he did that. He says in 1961, he had the lead in the Masters uh, Golf Tournament. He said, I had a one-stroke lead and a very satisfying tee shot on the 18th hole. And for those of you who don't know golf, 18th would be the last hole. He said, I felt like I was in pretty good shape. I approached my ball, and an old friend of mine was standing at the edge of the galley, the galley he noticed, he motioned over to me, stuck out his hand and said, Congratulations. As soon as I shook his hand, I knew I had lost focus. He said on the next two shots, he hit the ball into a sand trap and then he hit it, hit, uh, it over the edge of the green. He also missed the putt and lost the Masters. He said, you don't forget a mistake like that. You just learn from it and become determined that I will never do that again. And I haven't in 30 years, when this article was written, I haven't in 30 years since. Arnold Palmer lost focus. He lost the plot, as the English would say. He misread, he got distracted into other areas This is very dangerous, because if we take our eyes off the prize, which is a common little business slogan, eyes on the prize, eyes on the prize, that we can lose the reward that God has for us. I want to talk to you about a man, Jacob, who kept his focus for a reward. Genesis 19, beginning in verse 16. Jacob has run from his family. He's now at his uncle Laban's house. He's met one of his daughters named Rachel. Now Laban had two daughters. The oldest, uh, the oldest daughter was named Leah, and the younger one was Rachel. And there was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel was a beautiful uh, had a, uh, had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Now I know. Most of you are going, well, should that matter spiritually? Just saying. Anyway, since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban said. I'd rather give my daughter to you than to anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. But his love was so strong that it seemed to him as a few days. You know, when life's going the other way, a few days can seem like seven years. But, you know, I want to just think with you a little bit about Jacob. In our text, he's focused. He has seen Rachel. We know how the story's going to play out. Uh, If you don't hang in there, you will. But there's a danger in life that we lose focus. Some people are so scattered. They're, They're aiming one day, they're committed, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. And then the next day, they're off doing something else. Growing up, when I was a teenager, especially into music, uh, there was a mainstream music magazine that had come out called Circus. In the 1960s, they covered mainstream music. And in the 70s, when music changed, they went to pop. Kind of a people magazine of music. In the 1980s, they went over to heavy metal. In 1990s, they switched over to a grunge magazine. And they really lost their way in the 2000s when they went back to heavy metal. By 2006, they closed. This is before the internet was taking over and destroying magazines. They lost their way. They had no focus. It was this, it was that, it was that, it was this. Oh, let's go back to the No focus in life. A weakness of human beings, said Henry Ford, is trying to make, uh, trying to do too many things at once. That scatters our efforts and destroys direction. It takes haste and haste makes waste. So we do things all the way, all wrong ways possible before we come to the right one. Then we think the best way because it works and it's only way left that we could see. Now everyone, uh, now, uh, everyone now and then, uh, every now and then, I'm sorry, I wake up in the morning headed uh, towards uh, finality with a dozen things to do. I know I can't get them all done at once. When asked, he said about that, Ford explained, I go out and I trot around the house while I'm running off the excuses, uh, running off the exercise energy rather. That wants to do so much, it clears my mind and I realize what things should be done first. He says, you know what? You wake up in a day, a lot of things to do. Focus. He, he would just exercise clear, and think, what is the priority? In life, we can be scattered. There's lots of things that demand our time. This is one of the reasons why I have a hard time praying at home. When we were in Ireland, we had no choice. We didn't have a building to pray in. And we would have to get out and be very disciplined about it. Go down to our sofa and my wife uh, would make coffee and we would drink coffee and we would be focused for at least 45, 50 minutes an hour Excuse me, just on prayer, just on doing that. Because uh, in our house there was a hundred other things that we could have been doing. Well, I find that if I have a place to come, if I make the effort to come here in the morning, uh, it focuses my attention. There's still a hundred things to do around here, but that's the purpose I've come. I think the drive, just to focus, this is, I'm going to prayer, I'm going to prayer. I'm not going to fix something. I'll fix it after church. Revelation 2 tells about a church that lost its focus. Uh, writing this letter to the angel at the church of Ephesus. This is the message of the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks among the seven golden candlesticks. I know all the things that you do and I've seen your hard work and your patience and patient endurance. I know that you do not tolerate evil people. Examine their claims of those who say they are apostles and are not and you have discovered them as liars. You are patiently suffering uh, for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you that you do not love me or, uh, or each other as you did at first. Look at how, you, how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove the lampstand from its place among the churches. Here's a church that lost focus. They're going in at one direction. They're still doing some right things. Jesus has no like doctrinal rebuke, moral rebuke. He's going to rebuke some of the churches that have strayed into false doctrines. He's going to rebuke some of them have strayed into immorality and allowed different immoral practices to be in the church. He will address those in churches. But to this church, he says, you just, you lost you just kind of lost it. You're not doing anything evil, you've just kind of lost the plot. Hebrews 2.1 So we must listen very carefully to the truth that we've heard, or we may drift away from it. This word drift... It means to glide, it means to slide, to be carried away, to be passed. It's the thought uh, of being on the a body of water where there's currents uh, and it's drifting you, it's pulling you away. Uh, in uh, If you were to take a, a boat into the Finger Lakes, uh, there's a current that goes through those lakes and you'll drift. If you're in the ocean, it can begin to drift you and pull you away uh, from different places and it's amazing. You you know, watching children play in the water. They'll start playing, but they'll start getting pushed down and pushed down, pushed down. All of a sudden, they're 300 yards down the beach because of drift. The danger here is that things escape. The word also to drift has to do with a slipping of a mind. He's drifting away. The thought of things escaping you. The word of God, the plan of God, the purposes of God. When we lose focus, other things begin to grab our attention. We begin to focus on things that are less important, but closer or immediate, or we can see. Some will begin to focus on entertainment or money. Some will begin to focus on opportunity or or, or uh, leisure or something. They'll come up with ex- complex ways of describing how they've gotten there. But the issue really is that they've let things go in their heart. Second Timothy two four. Uh, I'm sorry. Second Timothy four ten. And Demas has departed from me having loved the things of this life and has gone into Thessalonica. He doesn't say he's a bad man, a wicked man, a cruel man. He just said he's just, he loves the things of this world, loves the things of this life. And this has taken him away from the purposes of Jesus Christ. Sometimes the problem is simply there's no focus at all. Wayne Gretzky said you'll miss 100% of the shots you never take. Some people just, they don't have any focus, any aim in life. They're they're not moved by God. They're not aiming for anything. Day after day, no vision, no purpose, no desires, no focus. And so they'll start wandering and looking for something. In our text... Jacob has a focus. Her name is Rachel, but he has a focus. Something has caught his heart. Now, when you read about marriage in the Bible, understand that God has made marriage, it's a wonderful thing between a man and a woman. It's a good place to say Amen. A man and a woman, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, not Adrian and Eve, Adam and Eve. It's more of a picture of the relationship God wants to have with His church. That's what it's a picture of. Paul writes in a great deal in Ephesians chapter 5 about the thought of marriage and how a husband needs to love his wife, how the wife needs to submit and support her husband and how he goes on to talk about this and how it plays out and different things. But then he makes this statement this is a great mystery that I'm making not towards marriage but towards Christ and the church. So we can just understand that from the beginning when you read about this you are reading about a man who is in, in you know well, you know wow that's Rachel. But also you're reading about a foreshadowing of Christ and the church. Jacob loved Rachel, and he told his father, I'll work for you for seven years if you give me Rachel as your your younger daughter, as my wife. In the thought of Leah and Rachel are so many parallels and things as you read the three patriarchs as they are married and different things that happen to them, Hagar being the first child of Abraham... Being a symbol of the law, a symbol of somebody's wild, the second child being the child of promise, which is the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, in the picture here with Jacob, uh, he ends up with Leah first, uh, although Rachel is what he really wanted. Uh, it, it's kind there. The Rachel wasn't that good looking. Uh, Leah was not that good looking. Rachel was. Picture of Israel, the law. And the New Testament blood washed church. But Jacob is moved. One thing he sees is future. That God has a future. He's looking down the road, he's saying, Man, I this I could have a future. When you lose sight that Or come to the conclusion that you don't believe that God has a future for you. You'll slip. You'll lose. You'll drift. God has a future for everyone in here. But you have to lay hold of that vision. You're the one who has to lay hold of God for that. Jeremiah... Twenty-nine. The children of Israel have been brought into captivity. They're in Babylon. They're going to be there for seventy years. God has told them: plant houses, have children, build houses, plant gardens. You're going to be there. And just, just deal with it for seventy years, and then I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to bring you back. And He makes that statement in Jeremiah 29:11 for I know the plans that I have I have for you says the Lord they're plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope this is something you have to lay God uh, lay hold of God for yourself no one can talk this into you no one can convince you no one it's not you know uh, oh, if I just heard more about her, or if I just uh, read a book, or if I could just have a, an evangelist give me a word. It's something you have to lay hold of God for yourself. There's no other way that this happens. 1 Corinthians 2.9 For what does the scripture mean when it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. That is not talking about heaven. That is not talking about paradise and streets of gold and all the glory that we'll experience in the eternal. That's talking about here on earth. That's talking about the future and the plans God has for your life. What do you believe God has for you? What are you contending for? Or is it going to be the same thing 15 years from now? Without this, you'd stop laboring. Jacob sees this. He's willing to labor, he's willing to go into the fields. I can always tell you people who begin to lose vision for their future, they stop praying, they stop outreaching, they stop contending. And then they blame, but that's a that's a later without vision. Jacob sees this, no one told Jacob Jacob this is what you must do right the people try to match and you know all that that's you know whatever, but I can tell you that you know what. You got to discover it. My my wife and I, when we were young, there was a couple. We thought, oh, they'd be good together. We, you know, had a breakfast one time, invited them over, and they hated it. And they, you know, whatever. And he he's like, I'm out of here. I, you know, not into. Three months later, they went on an invasion team together, and they discovered each other. It was like, well, you can't force. We just learned the lesson. You can't force it. If they're going to find it, they're going to find it. Life is something you have to discover for yourself. Without a future, without belief in a future, you'll labor, you'll stop laboring. He, the Bible says, like a few days, seven years, like a few days. Just quick and, you know, seven years. Think about, where were you seven years ago? What was happening? Some of you weren't married. Some of you didn't even know your spouse. Some of you, you know, pre-kids, pre-this, pre-that. And now things have changed. Because of vision. See, vision for the future will cause you to do all sorts of wise things. Because there is a future. It says he labored not only out of vision for the future but out of love. He was smitten. When I started dating my wife, there was a man in the church who really wanted me to date his daughter. He, he was absolutely sure that I should anyway. But he came up to me and he said, Keith, I'm worried. You got that googly-eyed thing. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, every time you look at Carrie, it's googly-eyed. Love, smitten. Jacob's in love. Verse 20, uh, verse 20 of our text says that, uh, So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong. Seemed like a few days. The question then is, is your love for Christ so strong? That you'd labor for him. This is about loving God. Jesus said these words The most important commandment is this Listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God and the only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandments are greater than these. Loving God. All your heart. Your affections. All your soul. Your will. Your power. All your strength. All your mind. Putting God first. If we were talking about marriage... What does a wife want? What does a woman want, right? The million dollar question, the one that, you know, every, you know, books and. I can answer it actually very simple. She wants to be number one in your life. The reason it gets complex is because we want a formula, there is no formula for that. There's no, there's no way of just writing that down and saying this is it. You know, if you just buy her flowers every Tuesday and take her out to dinner every Friday, you'll have. It's not that easy. She wants to be number one. This is why adultery and pornography can be so damaging because it it says there's conditions now. Do you love God? Is he your focus? Your attention? Your purpose? The reward was Rachel. He said that's that's worth it. 7 years, that's worth it. That's what I want. Solomon writes and he says, There are four things that are marvelous, four things I cannot explain, four things that just boggle my mind. The way of a ship on the ocean. Winds blow this way, but the ship goes that way. A snake that moves. That's weird. They don't have legs, and yet they get around no problem. And he says, The last one is the way of a man with his maid when 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 a boy, when a man and woman are smitten so this is this is this is fascinating all of a sudden they get goofy i when we were in lithuania there was a there was a couple there and they were one of the smartest couples i think i've ever met in my life he had his doctorate in computer science, wrote a program that is used around the world on uh, on either it's m uh, one medical th- way of pattern patterning and cutting it up and slicing it. I, I don't know if it's an MRI or, or whatever it was, but something like that. He wrote this. He gave us the thesis in English and asked us to correct it. I looked at it and said, No. If you know how bad I did in English. Well, you guys do, but they didn't. Anyway, so if you knew how bad that was, you you better ask my wife to do it. She did it, grammar-wise, but said she understood none of it. The wife was a lawyer. First woman to address the European Parliament from Lithuania. Not only that, they were a good-looking couple, too. But he was very Russian, very Russian, no expression, very Russian. His name was not Alexanders; it was Alex-, Alex. Very Russian. That man had a baby girl, Paulina. Oh my gosh! He changed just like he's goofy now. He's dancing. He's trying to get her to smile. He had cha- he was so smitten. I didn't know them before they were married, but I can tell you what. He had a little girl and he was a different man. That's what happened to Jacob. Jacob has been avoiding work up until now. Jacob has been a soft man staying in the house trying to avoid work. But now that he's seen Rachel, I'll I'll tend your sheep. <laughs> I'll do whatever it t- I'm smith. He sees the reward. Philippians 3.14, Paul writes and says, I press to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, is calling us. It's also good to mention here again about marriage. Never lose, gentlemen especially, never lose that your wife is the prize. Life gets busy kids come along bills work your wife is the prize because after the bills and the kids all that she's the one you're going to be left with so worth keeping her as the prize hebrews chapter 11 verse 24 says that by faith moses when he grew up refused to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. He looked ahead to his great reward. Let's talk lastly about the result of focus. Jacob is focused. And so in his focus... Is diligence. He labored. In fact, when he deals with his father in law later, later, Laban later, Laban later, he says, You know what? You've changed my wages ten times, but I have not lost one of your sheep. I stayed awake in the cold, frost. I've burned in the heat of the day. I've lost sleep over this. I have made sure. A diligence, he talks about. Most of this was the labor for Rachel. Proverbs 21, verse 5 Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but a hasty shortcut leads to poverty. Second Peter 1.10 Dear brothers and sisters, work hard and prove that you are really among those who God has called and chosen. Do those things and you will never fall away. We, re- we do read on later that, you know what, Laban prospered because of Jacob's labors. His sheep grew, and they renegotiate, and he Jacob gets a you know gets the deal he wants. But diligence, diligence is there. If you're focused, if you want something, then diligence will be there. Write a story. It's kind of a fascinating story on the on a woman who. She was in debt, overweight, broke up with her boyfriend, was depressed. She had $3,000 left on her credit card for room. She thought, well, if I'm going out, I'm going in style. And she booked a trip. She said, I always wanted to see the pyramids. I'm going to see the pyramids. She flew over to Cairo, Egypt. She got on a tour. She's on the bus. And she's riding on the bus, not even a Christian woman, but she passes a Muslim woman walking down the side of the road, and she starts thinking, that woman doesn't have any of the problems I have. Now, I'm sure this woman had her own problems. But she began to think, you know what? I don't have to have the problems I have. The the interviewer of the book that this story was in said that when he met her, had the picture of her from before. She looked 10 years, although it was 10 years later, she looked 10 years younger. She had quit smoking, got out of debt, gone back to school, lost weight, and now was a focused woman. Because she began realizing that diligence and just blaming others wasn't going to be something that gave her any success in life. We read here that Jacob was faithful. He's laboring year after year. Seven years. He ends up marrying Leah, which is, you know, there's a couple of mysteries in the Bible. Like, how did that happen? Like, were they that drunk? Because, I mean, that's about the only way you can describe it. I don't know how you think you marry one girl and you marry another girl and you don't realize it until the morning. Alcohol had to be involved there. There's just no other way of looking at it. That he made a you know, this. Uh, and, uh, oh, uh, Laban tells, you know, oh, we can't marry the younger before we marry the older, so you got to marry the older. It worked for me another seven years. You can have her after one week, he gives in. But 14 years he labors. And there's a faithfulness. Year after year, keeping the focus, the prize. First, Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 I thank the Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me the strength to do his work for he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him other terms say faithful Luke 10 uh, Luke 16 and verse 10 if you are faithful in the little things you'll be faithful in the large ones but if you are dishonest in the little things you won't be honest with greater responsibility there's something about faithfulness that God marks he says you know I can help someone like that I can bless someone who's faithful in all sorts of areas of life Matthew 25 21 the master was full of praise well done good and faithful servant You've been faithful in handling a small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And finally, patience. Patience is one of those prayers that we like to pray, the old prayer. Lord, I want patience, and I want it now. But patience is the ability to endure hardship. Getting ripped off in this point. Being lied about, whatever it is. Luke 10 and 15, And the seeds fell among good soil, represented an honest and good-hearted people who hear the word of God and cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Hebrews 6.12, And you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, if you follow the example of those who inherited God's promise through their faith and their patience. See, staying focused is the reward that God has for us. Eyes on the prize. Focus. Dr. William Leslie in 1912 was a medical missionary and he went to live among a remote tribal people in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. After 17 years he returned to the U.S. a very discouraged man believing that he had failed to make impact for Christ. He died nine years later after his return. It was in 2010 that Eric Ramsey along with Tom Cox and World Missions, made a surprising discovery. They found a network of reproducing churches hidden like a glittering diamond in the dense jungle of the Kuali River in Vanga, where Dr. Leslie was stationed. Based on previous research, Ramsey thought that Yanni in... uh, I'm sorry, Yanzi in this remote area might have uh, been ex- uh, might, that they might have been exposed to the name of Jesus but we had no real understanding of who he is. They were unprepared for their remarkable find. When we got there, we found this network of reproducing churches throughout the jungle. Each village had its own gospel choir. They would, uh, uh, although they wouldn't call it that. They wrote their own songs and they would have Sing ops from village to village. They found that each church, uh, was in 80, uh, each church in the 80 villages they visited were scattered across 34 miles, and they found that one had a thousand steep, uh, cathedral, stone cathedral that they crowned in the 1980s. While walking miles to attend church, people began a movement in the surrounding villages. Apparently, Dr. Leslie's travel throughout the remote reaching in region and teaching the Bible, promoting literacy. He also started the first organizational education system in the villages. They learned later. For 17 years, Ramsey fought Tropical disease, uh, uh, charging buffalo, armies of ants, and leopard-infested jungles to bring the gospel to this remote area. He died feeling that he had failed, but instead, his faithfulness, his power, his courage left a powerful legacy vital to churches. See, it's when we're faithful. That God can bless us and help us and use us. That the patience. You don't know all the impact. You don't know all that your life is doing. But if you'll stay focused in love with Jesus. Laboring in what God has for you. You can be blessed. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here and you're not saved. You're not right with God. Sin will scatter you all over the place. Sin will cause you to go here and go there and look at this and look at that. Sin always causes people to be looking for the next big thing, good feeling, success story, whatever it might be. It is Jesus Christ who came and shed His blood on Calvary's cross that causes you and I To be able to be right with him. He's the one who saw us. And said there's a beauty. So beautiful I'll shed my blood for you. I'll give myself. For your salvation. Like I said marriage is a picture in the Bible. Not just between a man and a woman. But between God and and people and that he loves people that much that he did that for you and I could you respond to his love to his place that he has for your life slip up your hand. say pray for me I need to get my heart right with God or you're backslidden you're away from God you need to come back very quickly just say pray for me I need to get my heart right with God. Well, changing the call then to Christians, Jacob's lesson here is a wonderful lesson that you and I can bring into our own lives. That his love for Rachel should only be surpassed by our love for Jesus. And that if we'll do that, we can see great Rewards in our lives. Let's all stand. We're going to open up these altars. Sing a song. Give him praise this evening. Light of the world, you step down. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that we are you All together worthy. All together worthy. All together wonderful. Oh, let's give him praise and let's thank him this evening. Father, we thank you and love you, God. We love you and glory you, we love you. Oh, thank God, thank God. Jacob's diligence. I mean, it's just, sometimes it's fun to watch a dating couple as they are just smitten by each other. And that's just kind of, you know, uh, uh, just a funny observation of life. To see that it's I love it. I you know I love when people find that and we should find it with God, because Jesus is the one we should love. Amen. Good things ahead. you remember service on Wednesday, we've got Bible studies on Friday, good things ahead, and then a new Sunday school next week on the parables. Let's bar heads go rejoicing. I'm going to ask Sawyer if you close us in prayer.